You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. said that uh, for the points of prayer this morning that uh, he was empowering us to position our hearts to receive the kingdom it's the grace of God it's the grace of God in our lives his favor his action that empowers us to position our hearts to receive the kingdom of God. So, I would encourage you now to receive the grace that you need from heaven to position your heart right now to receive what God has for you. Come Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, the great I am. Come now and do what only you can do in each of our lives. Lord, we remind ourselves that you are faithful. You are faithful. I feel like the Lord wants to deal with uh, those abandonment issues, that sense of loneliness. I know that uh, the... uh, pandemic has encouraged that, but but it, it's the work of the enemy in our lives uh, to bring that loneliness in us. Yeah. And we've been worshiping the Lord. We've been cultivating through song that connection with the fact that God is faithful, that he sees us, and that he is for us. And so, Lord, we thank you. We come with thankful hearts. And we position our hearts to receive the grace that we need in this hour to receive your kingdom because, Lord, you've come to change us. You've come to set us free. You've come to break the bondage. You've come to break the power of the enemy because you who is the victor. You are victorious and you fully intend to release your victory in each of our lives. Whatever that is, whatever that is that we need, Lord God, you are here right now to do that within us. And we now pull on heaven. We say yes to your plans and purposes. We say yes to you, Lord God. Destroy the work of the enemy. Destroy the schemes of the enemy. And release us, Lord God. Release us into your holy presence. Yes, heaven come. Heaven come now. And do the work that only you can do in our lives to set us free. Lord God, it is for freedom that you set us free, Jesus. And we now say yes to your plans and purposes for that, Lord. Yes, Lord, do that work. Thank you, Lord. 
and we say yes to you. Yes to you. And Lord, we thank you now for the peace that comes. Lord, as you break the power of turmoil, as you break the power of pain and difficulty, you deposit within us peace. A peace that is beyond our ability to describe, but it is designed to experience. And Lord, we thank you that we don't need to understand, but that you've called us to experience the truth of who you are. And so, Lord, may we let go of that power of needing to understand. Yeah, that came from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. It was a part of the fall. Lord, we come now to receive life. We receive life that you have chosen for us. And so we say yes to your plans and purposes. And so we say, come, may we experience your power to set us free. And in that, may we rest in the peace that is divinely given to your children. Lord, we thank you that you chose us. You chose us. Yes, because of your great love. Lord, I ask that you would now minister to each of us in a way that allows us to fully embrace our true identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God. You have chosen us. You intervened. You came and rescued us in our great need, in our inability to do, to save ourselves or to do anything. Lord, you rescued us in the blood of Jesus. And we say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the power of your kingdom, which now is established in our hearts. Yes. Yes. And Lord, may our lives bring glory to you and no one else. Yeah. May our lives be the living witness and the testimony that you have for each of us to reveal your glory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lord, we ask that you would work that diligent grace into each of our hearts within this house. Lord, bind us together as one. Lord, thank you for family. You have always wanted a family. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bring us together as that family that reflects you, Lord God. Yeah. Break every chain. In the name of Jesus, break every chain. And it's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Despite all of the obstacles you may be feeling that you're facing or the obstacles, uh, the struggles, uh, the disappointments, the failures, whatever, whatever is, is there in that way, uh, again, it, it does, don't allow that to obscure the very fact that God is doing something great in your life. And so I would say for every one of us, you know, God is building a Brooklyn Bridge, you know, Christy, God is building a Brooklyn Bridge. You're building a Brooklyn Bridge. And, and you're going to face opposition. You're going to face struggles in doing it, just like John Roebling did. Tanette, you're building a Brooklyn Bridge. 
And you're gonna face struggles, you're gonna face opposition. There's gonna be pushback, there's gonna be criticism, there's gonna be failures, there's gonna be mistakes, but you're building a Brooklyn Bridge in spite of that. Not because of what you're doing, but because of what God is doing in and through you. Every one of you in this room, Bruce, Mar, you're building a Brooklyn Bridge. Tim, you're building a Brooklyn Bridge. Michael, you're building a Brooklyn Bridge. Are there gonna be setbacks? Are there gonna be disappointments? Are there gonna be failures? Yes. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. We're not good at despising shame, are we? We're really good at coming into agreement with shame, aren't we? Yeah. Jesus didn't do that. I talked about that a while back. I talked about, you know, again, that, that shame resilience. Brene Brown talks about that. There's shame resistance where, where we kind of act like, you know, I, I'm never ever going to feel shame again. I can stand up here this morning and, and have that feeling. I'm never gonna experience shame again in my life. That's shame resistance. I'm not gonna allow you to shame me. That's shame resistance. But you know what? That doesn't work. It may work for a while, but I may get out of here in a couple of hours. I may, tomorrow morning, something happens, and all of a sudden, I'm just feeling full of shame. Yeah. And so shame resilience is, I feel the shame. I, I feel that the shame wants to come on me. I feel that the shame wants to identify me. I feel like the shame wants to drive me in certain ways, in certain behavior. Shame resilience is, I'm just not going to play along with it this time. I'm, I'm gonna come out of agreement with shame and I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to despise that shame. Do you realize every person that went to the cross felt shame? Because they were hanging there naked. Completely stark naked, they were hanging there all for the purpose of feeling shame. So Jesus just decided that, you know what, for the joy that's set before me, I'll endure the cross and I will despise its shame. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to come into agreement with that shame. That, that's breaking chains, folks. Because every one of us, you're always going to be open to opportunities to feel shame. You're always going to be driven uh, by moments, uh, by, uh, by seasons in that shame. Trust me, I know, been there, done that. But again, that shame resilience, and that's part of what the fruit of the Spirit is there for, that you're able to take that shame um, and you're able to receive in its place what God has to offer, which is what? Joy. Love, joy, peace, beyond the fruits of the Spirit. That's what we've been talking about this week. Well, before I get into any more um, of that, I didn't really even have that in my notes. I don't know why I felt a need to share that. There's a lot that's not in my notes today, as a matter of fact. It's interesting because uh, as I was awake early this morning and, and got to the office, um, the word that God spoke to me this morning was restorative justice. 
That, that we're going to talk about that this morning, because that really is a, is a function of, of the, the, uh, the, uh, that root of goodness, that, that attribute of goodness, is there is a restorative, there is a redemptive aspect to that goodness. And we'll get into that um, in just a moment. And, and I like the word restorative justice or redemptive justice. Uh, there's social justice, and, you know, for all of its... Uh, connotations, there's just a lot of really negative things associated with that whole concept, that, that phrase, social justice. So I just, I, I like, uh, I like a, a more biblical thing for me is, uh, is restorative justice or redemptive justice. Because when you look at everything that Jesus did, it was restorative and redemptive, Right? Um, so I, I, I love that idea, and then, you know, it was just really interesting because Callie had shared this morning that, you know, that was part of what she had received from the conference was just, you know, the, this whole idea of restoration, and I said, oh, that is so weird because, you know, it's just at the, on my notes this morning, I mean, at the very, very top, I have the phrase restore this morning. Now, before I get any, any further into that this morning, I want to just kind of mention a couple of opportunities that are, that are coming up. Um, we've got the Bible Reading Marathon. We've been talking about that. That's going to be coming up starting on Tuesday, August 31st. We're going to be doing that over uh, at Central Park here across the street, and it really involves probably, I think it's like 325 readers doing 15-minute time slots over, I think, like a six-day period, and we read the entire Bible, but, you know, beginning at Genesis, going through Revelation. And so we uh, take blocks of time. Karen and I are kind of coordinating the whole schedule, but as a church, we kind of take a block of time uh, that we kind of identify as, okay, this is when we're going to encourage people from Praise Community Church to sign up, come over and read. So we've got that sign up, and we're going to have that available starting this morning throughout the rest of the month right up until the Bible reading. So if you are interested in getting signed up, I think we've taken uh, the Tuesday morning um, time slot, or the Tuesday afternoon. I think we're going to take from noon till 10, and Doug's got the sign-up sheet back there, and they'll, they'll have that down in the Praise Cafe. And so we're going to kind of take that time slot. If we get that filled up, we'll, we'll maybe take another one. So if you're interested in doing that, after the service, kind of uh, find Karen or Doug or me, and we'll get you signed up uh, to do a 15 if you want to do a 30. Um, you know, if you're really... Uh, you know, motivated, you can take an hour, uh, you can maybe even, if you want to, reach out to friends, neighbors, co-workers, uh, see if they'll come, maybe you take an hour, and you'll get, you know, two or three other people to come with you, and that's kind of your hour together to read uh, the Word. Uh, so, again, we'll have that opportunity coming up. Also, we have uh, discipleship classes that we're going to be offering again uh, starting this fall sometime in September. Uh, we've got our leaders in place, and then we're going to now, we're uh, going to start signing people up who want to take the discipleship class. So this year, last year we were only able to offer year one, and so this year we're able to offer year one and year two. So year one, uh, for those of you that have never taken the discipleship class, it's really kind of an introduction to uh, basic Christian faith. What is the Bible? Who is God? Who is Jesus? Who's the Holy Spirit? Uh, so it's a very, very basic introduction to the Christian faith. We do that for the first 13 weeks, and then we really, the second half of 
that in the spring we focus on the life and the ministry of Jesus. Second year, uh, which we're gonna be offering for the first time this year, for those of you that have taken year one, you get to graduate into year two, and this year we're gonna be kind of focusing on uh, spiritual discipline, will be the first, I think it's 11 weeks of that, and then in the, uh, after the new year, uh, the second part of year two will kind of be your spiritual identity. Who am I in Christ? How does God see me? And again, this isn't always just for you. What we want to do is we want you to be able to benefit from this in a way that you're able to begin to impart that, uh, what you're learning, what you're experiencing, that you're able to feel a, a certain confidence in being able to share that with others. So again, our, our theme is, is we want to create disciples who are making disciples. So uh, those are going to be uh, available. There is a pamphlet. I think I must have left it on the back. Um, there is a pamphlet out on the welcome table. You can pick that up and find out more information about that. You can talk with Janie or I. Uh, Bruce and Mara uh, are, have signed up to be leaders this year. Um, so you can talk to any of us, and we would love to share a little bit more with you about that. We can get you signed up, um, and uh, we would just love to get as many people involved uh, this year in the discipleship classes. So just uh, pray about that, and, and we trust that uh, you will uh, just be very blessed, I think, if you can get into uh, either year one or year two uh, this year. So th that video clip there that, that I purposely showed, again, I, I just want that to serve as a reminder for every one of us here, what we've kind of been talking about these last you know, several weeks is we've really been focusing on the fruit of the Spirit. And again, Paul talks about that there in Galatians chapter five, and in verse 22, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, who does the work there? Holy Spirit. Does your pastor do that? No. I can talk about that. I can encourage that. I can, I can hopefully bring light and revelation to that. I can maybe spur you on to apply that in, in your life, but it really is a work first and foremost of the Holy Spirit. Does your spouse do that? No, they can encourage that. They can pray into that. But again, this is first and foremost primarily a work that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our lives. And again, the question comes down to, are we yielded? Are we open? Are we surrendered? Is there an invitation of God in our hearts to come and begin to do that work in us? And so he says, when the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to produce that fruit, you're going to recognize it. You're going to know it's happening because you're just going to start to love more. You're going to be more joyful. You're going you're to have peace that passes understanding. You are going to be kind. You're going to be good. You're going to be faithful. There's going to be a meekness, a gentleness about you. You're going to have self-control. And Paul says there's no limit on these things. So that work that God is doing in you, there's no end to that. As a matter of fact, I believe these are things that God will continue to produce in us throughout eternity. Now, just as John Roebling, he kind of understood as he's, as he's building that Brooklyn Bridge, he knew he was working hard towards something great with his vision of the Brooklyn Bridge. God's desire is to work something great in his plan for our lives. And one of the ways that God does that, it's not the only way, 
But one of the ways that God is working and building his great plan in your life is through the fruit of the Spirit. And just as John Roebling knew his vision for the Brooklyn Bridge was great, he also knew it is not going to be an easy process. People died doing that. Things are going to die in us, or things need to die in us as we're pursuing, as, we're, as, as God's building that Brooklyn Bridge in our life. Just as it took 14 years to complete the Brooklyn Bridge, it may take some time. And that, that's why, again, patience is, is, is so necessary. It's like we're kind of the instant generation, the microwave generation. God, do it, do it now. And by the way, no pain in doing that, God. Do what you're gonna do, but I wanna be in complete comfort. We'll talk more about that in a minute. That's why it's important to remember, no matter where you are in that process, here's a promise. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work, again, that's a fruit of the Spirit. Notice that word good there. We're gonna talk about that today. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So, so he's in it for the long haul, okay? That's what he's saying. Be confident of this. The one who began the good work in you, he is in it for the long haul, and he is not going to stop. He's not going to give up. He is not going to walk away from the Brooklyn Bridge that he's building in your life until it is completed up until the day Jesus returns. That's a promise, and that's a good promise because it's a God promise. Every God promise is a good promise, right? So the fruit of the Spirit, listen there in Galatians 5.22, it's a part of that good work. It's not the only work, but it's a part of the good work that God wants to do in each one of us. And he is committed. Just be confident of that, Paul says. Be assured of that. Take it to the bank. He's going to carry on that work. He is going to continue that work until it is completed. So throughout the series, we've been looking at different characteristics there that Paul lists there. And so far, we've looked at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This week, we're gonna look at the characteristic and attribute of goodness. The French philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau once said, happiness is a good bank account, a good cook, and good digestion. Now, a lot of us would look at that and, and, and agree with that, and we would call that the good life. That's what God wants for all of us. God wants us just to have a, a good, easy life. You know, there are people that, you know, doesn't believe life gets any better, you know, than a, 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 you know, a, a hot tub, a back rub, and a drink at the pub, right? There's people that just, that for them, that's their pursuit of life. If, if they've got that, they kind of think, I have arrived. I am living the blessed life. They may not call it that, but that's kind of what they're thinking. I got a maid. 
They think if you've got the mansion, the Mercedes, the money, you're living the good life. And again, not a lot has changed throughout the history of mankind. You can go back to the writings of Solomon. And what did he say? He said, so I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. He's not much further off than any of the other things I mentioned there. And while there's nothing wrong with having fun, you know, it's, it's all right, you know, to eat, to drink, to be merry. The question is, isn't there more to life than that? I mean, God thinks so. The Bible says so. Paul made this observation in Romans 14, 17. He said, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. He says, but it's a life of living goodness. Now, in some of your translations, there'll be that word righteousness. Um, and again, there's nuances in, in, in all of these. There's, there's overlappings, you know, in all of these. You know, you'll, you'll have kindness and goodness kind of working in tandem, uh, as well as with all of the other fruits of the Spirit. So again, so it's, it's you know, the, 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 uh, what Paul's talking about there is the kingdom of God. It's living a life of goodness, of, of righteousness, of kindness, of goodness, of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And again, it's interesting Paul ties that back to the Holy Spirit because who is the one that produces the fruit of the Spirit in your life? It's the Holy Spirit. So it would make sense that really what he's preparing you for in that producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life is he's preparing you for kingdom living here on the earth. Amen? So you're going to find nuances and you're going to find overlappings. As a matter of fact, you know, some commentators say, you know, that there's just one fruit of the Spirit, love, and everything else is just kind of a manifestation of that love. And so again, there's just this idea that, that oftentimes as you're, uh, the Holy Spirit's producing this in you, it's, it may not just be one fruit that God's working on. I mean, I, I'll see times where God's working you know, a sense of where I need to be patient about something along with self-control. Does that make sense? You know, ever been impatient and you have no control? Yeah, so sometimes when God's working on that area of, of patience, God will also kind of give you that, that, that fruit, that's, uh, that attribute of self-control. Because we get impatient with learning to be patient, right? So we just need control. So contrary to many opinions and, and kind of what we see the world striving for out there, uh, goodness is not just feeling good, it's not looking good, it's not just owning good. Um, again, goodness is not something mankind can create uh, or manufacture. It's something that God himself, uh, and it's something he produces in those who are really seeking after him. Since it's the fruit of the Spirit, again, it's something only the Holy Spirit can produce in us, and we know that goodness can only come from God. Romans 3.12 says, there's none who does good, no, not one. And that includes all of us, meaning left to ourselves, separated from God, we will eventually be incapable and even unwilling or unable to do anything uh, good. That's why I believe goodness is only possible with God. Have you ever thought about the fact if you take uh, the word God out of good, what are you left with? Zero, right? Nothing. We talked last week about kindness, and I said that kindness and goodness, they're a lot alike. They share certain characteristics. 
And in some instances, they're interchangeable um, in, in many Bible translations. And we talked last week, the w- Greek word for kindness was krestos. And the word for goodness is um, agathosune, is the Greek word there. And it's really defined virtue equipped at every point. So again, are there differences between kindness and goodness? We know that they overlap. We know that they share certain characteristics and qualities, but are there differences? Yes, I believe that there are differences between, say, kindness um, and goodness. Um, Agathosune, which again is, is goodness, now this is really important, might, it's possible, and can at times rebuke and discipline. We don't like that, do we? No. But, but there are times where the goodness of God as he is manifesting that attribute in your life, there may be times where that goodness comes across as a rebuke or a discipline. Now, and this is, again, this is just going back and really studying um, out the word uh, through uh, Greek scholars, as, as they look at these words, this was one of the things that they kind of highlighted about this particular word that I thought, that, that makes sense. That, that sounds right to me, that there would be an element of God's goodness that would involve maybe a rebuke or a discipline. Whereas krestos is it, just, uh, it, it's kindness and it can only help. There, there, there doesn't seem to be that rebuke or that discipline that the Lord brings in kindness. Kindness is one of those attributes that's really just there to kind of help and to serve. Now, some theologians believe that Jesus was showing Agathosune's uh, goodness in the temple as, he, as he's clearing out the money changers. What does he do? He drives them out with a whip. So that's a pretty strong rebuke and discipline there, isn't it? Now, why does he do that? Restorative justice. What is he restoring? Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, he says, you guys, you've made this a den of robbers, but in my goodness and my restorative justice, I am going to restore and to redeem this place back to a house of prayer. So that, again, that's that restorative justice there. It can have an element where it does rebuke and discipline. But we also need, you know, that kindness. We're here, we're here to do good. We're not just here to rebuke and discipline. Ever been around people like that who just see it as their number one job, their call from God is to rebuke and to discipline everybody? Man, I see those people coming and I run to my office, I shut the door and I lock it. And I don't come out until I see on the screen they've left the building. It's just, it's not helpful, is what I'm saying. And I'm sorry you don't have a place to go to get away from that. So again, restorative justice. What is the greatest work of restorative justice in the history of mankind? Yeah, the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ, it is the greatest example of restorative justice, of of redemptive work. Let me ask you this. Was it easy? Was it convenient? Restorative justice, and and this is where, again, I think that a lot of times we in the church, we, we, we quit or we give up on restorative justice the minute it becomes uncomfortable. 
I mean, I, I personally set a new record, a new personal record this past week. This past week, I was flipped off more times this week than I ever have been in my whole life. Thank you, Christy. I was called names this week. Forget any time you're out there trying to do restorative justice, whenever you're out there trying to do redeeming justice, it's never going to be, it's ever going to be, it, it, I shouldn't say never. In most cases, it's not going to be convenient. There, there are some things that are just going to have to die. I remember um, back when I first uh, became a Christian, um, I was living in Colorado Springs at the time, and this was back during the time when, uh, when Ronald Reagan was president. I know some of you are thinking, man, people are still alive now when <laughs> Reagan was president. Oh, you're really old, yeah. So I remember I was probably in my early 20s, and there was an organization, a ministry that I was really involved with at that time called Last Days Ministries. It was a ministry that Keith and Melody Green had done, and one of the things that they were really passionate about was the whole issue of abortion. And so what they had done was they really felt like God had called them to try to get a million signatures that they could present to President Reagan and to see what they could do to get the, the, the issue of um, abortion, to see what they could do to really bring about change in the land and the culture in our thinking and our practice um, of abortion. And so, you know, I kind of felt, you know, I'm, I was living in Colorado Springs at the time, and I thought, you know, I, I can do this. I can help with this. And so I, you know, printed off a bunch of copies of this uh, petition, and I, I went into the phone book, and I, I wrote down on a piece of paper every name, address, I mean, all the information I could find about churches. And my goal was, was I, I was going to go to as many of these churches as I possibly could to hand deliver these petitions and, and get the churches, you know, to kind of rally around this and, and get your congregation to sign this, and I'll come back and get it and we'll just mail it off. And, and so I just, I had like this grandiose vision of what I was gonna do. And part of my grandiose vision was, was everybody's just gonna be so happy I'm doing this. Man, I, I went to the first church, told the secretary what I was there for, what I wanted to do, and I wanted to see the pastor. So she, she goes from her re little reception desk into the pastor's office. Uh, she had been in there like maybe, you know, a couple of minutes, and she said, the pastor's too busy to see you. I said, oh, okay, great. Well, I will, I'll, I'd be more than happy to make an appointment, and I'd come back, and yeah, uh, we're not interested. I said to her, interested in what? I, I'm, my thought was, was everybody should be fine. Everybody should want to participate in this. Everybody should want to sign this. What, what is the struggle here? What, what's the question? What's the difficult? I, I could not understand her no thank you. And, and, and you could tell that she was not, it wasn't a kind no thank you. And church after church after church after church, pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor, wanted nothing to do with this. I did not understand that. 
So one of the things I kind of learned really early on, restorative justice, redemptive justice, it's difficult work. Chrissy, what you're doing, it's difficult work. And I, I believe that part of what God is wanting to restore uh, in our culture, it, it's not just spiritual, it's not just the church. I believe that God is wanting to restore our political landscape. I, I believe that God wants to use government as a means for restorative justice. And right now, it feels like our government is being used in a lot of unjust ways. Well, God wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring redemption to, to our government system. And it's gonna take people who have a vision, a passion, people who don't mind the pushback and the criticism. You've gotten a little criticism, haven't you, Christy? Just a little. Oh, you've gotten a lot of criticism. And you will. That, that's, the, that's the nature of restorative justice. See, again, we don't want that. Yeah, I want to see justice restored. I want to see justice, you know, redeeming justice. I just don't want it to, to, to come at any cost. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to be criticized. I don't want to be talked about. I don't want negative. I mean, none of us want that. greatest work of restorative justice was the cross. And theologians suggest Jesus didn't want that either. As a matter of fact, that that may have been part of what the Garden of Gethsemane was about. Father, if there be any way that this cup could pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's restorative justice. Even though this may cost me my life, this may involve great pain, great difficulty, great sacrifice, great obedience, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. When restorative justice is being done God's way, oftentimes, and in most cases, it is going to involve great pain, difficulty, conflict, and like I said, there may be some things that need to die. It was very, very interesting. I saw last night an article uh, about a group of Christians that um, are working in Portland. You know, Portland has been in the news over probably the last year with just, again, a lot of unrest, a lot of tension, a lot of rioting um, and stuff going on there. Um, and so uh, a group of Christians decided that they wanted to get together and they wanted to just pray. And you, know, and, and you would think that, oh, no big deal. I mean, people do that all the time, right? We all get together and we, we pray in different places, out in public, and you know, we're gonna do our, our Bible reading. That's kind of a public thing out there. And so they you know, got together. They're, what they didn't count on was that uh, Antifa, the opposition, showed up and started heckling them, uh, started spraying them with pepper spray, uh, were throwing smoke bombs at them. And then at one point, they had taken all of their equipment, their musical equipment, they were gonna do worship and prayer time, they took all of their musical equipment, their soundboard, their speakers, their microphones, their microphone stands, any and everything that they had there to do that public worship service, they took it and they threw it in the river. 
called the police. Police never came. There were children there um, involved in this, and it was just a fiasco. I think this happened like yesterday or Friday, or it was just sometime real recent here. They're trying to bring, I, I, I support what they're doing there. They're trying to restore, they're trying to redeem that culture. It's restorative justice. We are at a place in restorative justice as we're trying to restore our culture, as we're trying to restore our government. There's, there's going to be huge pushback on this. As a matter of fact, I read a statistic that I thought was kind of interesting and kind of a little bit convicting for me. Um, I told you guys this was my, uh, my first protest. You know, I'm 60, uh, um, and that was the first time I'd really ever gone out and protested something. And I'm not against the vaccine. I mean, I, I'm for the vaccine in that if you want it, get it. I, I'm so for the vaccine, you can have mine. I'm, I'm so for it, okay? What I'm not for is if you don't want it, I don't believe you should be forced to take it. So for me, the restorative justice in that is just respecting people's rights, their, their, their right to choose for themselves what they believe is, is best for them uh, medically. And again, Jesus does this. Does Jesus force salvation on people? I mean, you know, to me, that's like, you know, the greatest gift God's ever given to mankind is salvation. Does Jesus force that on people? No. He gives us a choice. Choose you this day. Choose death. Choose life. I mean, we get a choice in this. So, you know, I feel like when people say to me, well, Jesus would, you know, get the vaccine. I don't know. Or Jesus would force the vaccine. I, I just doesn't fit in my biblical understanding of Jesus. Jesus was always gracious um, in what he allowed people to do. He always gave people an opportunity. He always gave them a choice between death and life. And he said, you choose. That's what I love about that story, the prodigal son, you know, when, when he goes and deals with the older brother. He says, man, we, we want you to come in and celebrate with us. We want you to come in and rejoice with us. I mean, this brother of yours that was dead, he's now alive. He that was lost is now fine and found. And we just want you to come in and celebrate this great joy with us. Do you notice that we never know what the older brother does? Why? Because it's Jesus just giving him a choice as he gives every one of us a choice. Here's my plans for life. And here are plans for death. You choose. I love that about Jesus. It doesn't force us. And so that's part of, for me, is that restorative justice aspect of what I, I feel like our culture needs. It's going back to a respecting of giving people freedom um, of choice uh, in that. So the... Um, Statistic that I read that was a little bit convicting for me was they said of all of the people, um, and they had kind of broken them down into maybe political or social categories, and they said of all of the people right now in our culture who are the ones that are speaking out the most loudly and are not backing down, they don't care what you think about their opinion. Anybody care to take a stab at who that group is? Radical leftist. The rest of us are being conditioned 
to just be quiet. Don't say anything, don't stir the pot, don't whack the hive, just let them say what they wanna say, and we'll just go about our merry way. Brian, you had a great example of that uh, this week. Uh, why don't you come up and share, I'll, I'll set the stage and then you kinda tell them what, you, what happened and we'll, we'll kinda close with this. Because again, this was, uh, we were, Janie and I were standing together on, was it Wednesday? It was the first day, yeah. So we were there Wednesday and we were just holding up signs and again, people were honking in support. Some were, you know, giving us gestures and telling us um, really obnoxious things to do. And uh, so as we kind of got to the very end, there was a guy that pulled up behind us in a car and he was holding up a sign that said something about get, get vaccinated. Yeah, dumb, blank. Uh, yeah, it was not a very nice word. Um, so I, I saw that, and, and he was, you know, yelling at us that we needed to get vaccinated, and I just said thank you, you know, um, for the suggestions, and um, Brian, <laughs> Janie and I walked away, and then we looked back, and Brian's talking to this guy, so I, I asked Brian this morning, how did that go? So where's my microphone? Ah, so I'm just gonna have you come up and share because I, I, I felt like I felt like Brian had a great uh, conversation with this guy, um, and I and I think is doing the right thing in that you know I was just content to just let the guy say what he wanted to say and walk away. Brian wasn't, and so Brian is definitely more courageous than I am. I don't really need this microphone, but uh, the, the individual does. had a sign: "Get vaccinated, dumb." So she was dumb. He should leave it at that. I walked over to him and politely said, look, we're not against the vaccine. We just don't feel that you should be forced to take it. And if you want it, go get it. He said, I've got the vaccine. I said, fine, good for you. But don't force someone else to take it. I respect your opinion and I simply asked that you respect mine. Told him to have a good day, and that was the end of the conversation. Now, and you also kind of said, you know, you fought. I mean, you've I spent you've... nine years plus of my life defending your right to choose for your freedom. And I yep. feel that gives me a right to speak. Now, you know, that's, to me, that's restorative justice. You, 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 and, and he was very kind about it. And, and you know, I, I didn't hear Brian yelling or anything as we're walking away. I mean, and I'm sure the way Brian said it to us is the way that he said it to him. That is, that, again, we've got to be willing to speak the truth in love. And, and that, that's a part of restorative justice. The other thing that I want to just close on, and I want to, I want to hit on this, um, again, is where Micah 6, 8, you know, kind of talks about God has shown you uh, what is good. Okay, that is a revelation from God. God has shown us what is good. And he said, you, there it is. Oh, man, Carol's so good. Um, so God has shown you, oh, man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of us but to do justly, to do justice, to do righteousness. And, and again, those, those are, are intermingled. When you are doing righteousness, you're, you're doing justice. Um, and to love mercy. I was going to talk a little bit about mercy this morning, but God had other plans. And to walk humbly with your 
God. Let me just kind of tell you uh, one, one way that humility uh, will, will look, how humility will uh, manifest, how it will present itself. If you walk into a room and the first thing that comes to your mind is, what can these people do for me? How can these people serve me? That's arrogance, that's self-centeredness, that's pride. Humility walks into a room of people and says, what can I do for them? That's humility. How can I serve people here this morning? That's, that's, that's walking humbly with God. What did Jesus say? I didn't come to be served. Jesus didn't come to this earth to say, okay, what can Jessup do for me? What can, how can Mitch serve me? He had every right, but he didn't. He said, I'm here. I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's humility. And that's what we're called to walk in. So as you're building that Brooklyn Bridge, as God is building that Brooklyn Bridge, just be humble. God, every opportunity that God gives you, every moment that God gives you, you're just simply asking, God, how can I serve you? How can I build the kingdom of God? How can I further the kingdom of God? How can I uh, get further and further uh, on building my Brooklyn Bridge? It is a work that, and, and, and every one of you in this room, some of you are just starting. Some of you may be nearing the completion of your Brooklyn Bridge, but God is doing something greater than you'll ever be able to do alone. So be confident of this. The one who began that good work, that began that Brooklyn Bridge in you, he is committed to complete it. Even if it takes until Jesus comes back, he's in it for the long haul. Amen? Yep. Father, we just again thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you did come and you gave your life as a ransom. You came and God, you showed us again what it really means to truly lay our lives down to serve and to walk humbly. And God, I believe that you're calling each of us in this place to restorative, to redemptive justice. And Father, at times that will involve Difficulty, pain, struggle, failure, mistakes, criticisms, pushback, all of that. Jesus experienced all of that and more. Yet he shows us how to endure, how to persevere, how to be victorious, how to be filled with joy, how to despise the shame, to reject the shame. So, Father, I just feel like there are people in here this morning, Father, that you are calling to that restorative, that redemptive justice. And, Lord, there may be people here this morning that are just feeling burned out. Maybe they're feeling trampled this morning. They're feeling beaten down. They're feeling defeated. Maybe they're feeling shameful for the things that have been said and done to them as a result of their being obedient to that call to restorative justice. Father, I pray that you would strengthen their feeble hands. 
that you have prepared our hands for battle, our fingers for war. I like that. God is preparing hands for battle, fingers for war. Father, we just pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would just come and just breathe upon that vision, that plan for society that you're really worth. That God, there are so many segments of society that you're really working to bring justice. There's so many injustices in the world that it really takes the whole body to really begin to walk and to work, to restore and to bring justice, just as Jesus did. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, for again, just that attribute of goodness. And that you are the one true only source of goodness. And God, you are at work in us, producing and manifesting that spirit of goodness this morning. And I believe one of the ways that we're gonna begin to see that manifest and, and, to be, and, to, and to be evidenced in our culture is through, again, that redemptive, that restorative justice. So Father, again, we just thank you, Lord, for the ways that you're breathing, the ways that you're moving here this morning. I wanna just invite those of you that really feel that you know in your heart of hearts this morning, what is God's call, what is God's plan on your life for restorative, redemptive justice this morning? You're saying, I, I, I know my call. I feel my call this morning for restorative, redemptive justice. I don't have any question about what that is this morning. I want you just to stand this morning. And again, it's not that you're doing it perfectly, but you're just being faithful, you're yielded, you're open. Bruce and Mara, you guys have your place in all of that. It's not just gonna be in the political realm. It's gonna be in the spiritual realm. God wants to bring restorative justice financially. God wants to bring restorative justice in, in sex trafficking, in abortion. God wants to bring redemptive justice in, in places where uh, addictions are raging. It's not just gonna be in the political culture, but it's gonna involve the political culture. It did for Jesus, it will for us. And I'm done backing away. I'm done shying away. I'm done apologizing. If I say something political, it's because God wants to bring restorative, redemptive justice to that area. Now, again, is it gonna be perfect through me? No. And it's not gonna be perfect in you either. But here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna despise. I'm gonna reject the shame. I'm gonna reject the condemnation. I'm gonna persevere. I'm gonna grow. I'm gonna learn through that. Anyone else, you just feel, Charlisa, God has called you to a prayer ministry that is redemptive, that is, that is restorative justice. And you know that. <laughs> and I'm doing that just to, just to you know, be the wind underneath your wings here this morning. <laughs> so don't be shy. Again, you don't have to know it perfectly, but you just feel like I know my call. 
I know Doug is feeling called to run for the Senate. Good, good. Some of you are getting a little more courageous. That's good. Father, we just thank you. Lord, I thank you for the people that are standing. I mean, Brenda Muth has been a warrior for the unborn. I mean, how many times have you been, how many times have you been arrested, Brenda? Huh? Yeah, she lost count. That's my point. <laughs> Was that fun, Brenda? Was it convenient? No. No, it comes at great cost. But again, she's, she's committed. She knows what she believes. She knows what God's called her to in that area of redemptive justice. So, Father, we just thank you for the people that are standing, Father, that just feel that passion, feel that call, feel, again, that moving of your Holy Spirit this morning. They know. Father, we thank you, you know, just for the redemptive justice that you've put on the worship team here this morning, Father. That you're using them to bring restoration and redemption through worship this morning, God. We recognize all of the many different paths that you're moving here this morning. We see that in, in New Heart Ministry. We see that in what Mara is doing as a spiritual director. All of that, God, you're using to restore and to redeem your people. Father, this morning, we just, we again, we recognize that is a Brooklyn Bridge in our lives that's under construction. And it's going to take time and it's going to take patience. And there's going to come obstacles and pushbacks. But Father, we are confident, boldly confident of this one thing, that what you've begun, you're in it for the long haul. And you're not going to give up. God, you're not going to regret that. You're not going to, you're not going to change your mind and say, let's go a different path, a little easier path, one with not so much resistance. God, you're committed. And nothing will overcome that, Father. We thank you for that, Lord. Those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of somebody could do a better job. I'm not worthy. God, you're able to overcome all of that. And Father, for those areas, Lord, again, where, where we feel that rebuke, that discipline, Father, may again, we just really see that for what it is. It, it, it's, it's your love. Your word says that you discipline those you love. So Father, in those times when we're in that place of, of just allowing that redemptive, that restorative justice, there may come those times, Father, where you need to rebuke and to discipline us. We thank you that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So, Father, we just, again, we, we thank you for the work that you're doing in each person here who's standing. Father, for those that are, that are, that are not, Lord, again, it doesn't mean that they don't know. They just may not want to acknowledge that. Lord, I just, again, I pray, Father, just breathe on that. Lord, that I believe that there's a Brooklyn Bridge you're wanting to build in every person here this morning. There's a work that you're wanting to do in every one of us here this morning. It may not look like anybody else is in this room, but God, there is a unique, a beautiful, marvelous plan that you're just beginning to unfold in each and every life here, and all of that will be 
for restoration, for redemption, Father. I just thank you for what you're doing. For every part, small and great, Father, we just offer it up to you this morning. We ask you, God, to breathe on this this morning. Move in this in just bigger ways, God. We're looking for greater fruit. How many of you are looking for greater fruit this morning? Yes. Yeah, we're looking for greater. We're looking for bigger. Not for us, but to the glory of God. Not for our kingdom, but for his kingdom this morning, Father. We thank you for this. And Father, we just again thank you for that uh, ransom that Jesus paid through the broken body, the shed blood of Christ. That, Father, it served as a illustration of the depths he was willing to go to serve us who were enemies of the cross at that time. He came and allowed his body to be broken, his blood to be shed. That was, that was the price. That was the ransom that was demanded. And he gladly gave it all. And so, Father, as we again just receive the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. May it be, again, a reminder of the great way in which you have served us and how you call us to lay our lives down and to serve others as well. As again, we just walk that humility out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.